0: I want to share a message with you, this is a different message to the, uh, the first service, so if you were in the first service and you were just going to play games on your phone at this point, then don't, because we've got another message, is that okay? Take your phone out, and I won't know anyway, but at least look like you're taking notes, you know what I'm saying? If you're trying to get your high score on Angry Birds and stuff like that, that's fine, I bet you won't beat me. Um... This message is called "You Were Born to Discover." You were born to discover, or another another title is "Discovery Versus Survival." Discovery versus survival, and it's really taken from a verse in Proverbs, um, in Proverbs 25, verse two. It says these words: "It is God's privilege to conceal things, and the king's privilege to discover them." The word king there is a small k, so it's not talking about the king of kings, it's talking about kings of the earth, me and you. And the Bible says here it's God's privilege, God's job, God's responsibility to conceal things, or you might say to hide things, and it is our privilege, people, to discover them. When I was a kid, I was an absolute ninja at hide and seek. I don't know what you call it here, do you call it hide and go seek? Just hide and seek? Hide and seek. If I speak really slowly, does that help? <laughs> I'm just joking. I know, you can, I know you get me. I was a ninja when it came to hide and seek. I mean, you know, basically one one person hi- covers their face and counts to 100. I mean, unless I'm playing it with my daughter. What? That's a long time, right? If I'm playing it with my daughter and I really want to uh, you know, get some sort of chill time. I'd be like, okay, babe, go count to 100. She can count to like five. And then she's like, uh, five, uh, two. Uh, I'm like, keep going, babe. <laughs> so they count to whatever, and then everyone goes and hides, and then the, the person counting, the seeker, has to go and find the people. And I was brilliant at it. I was the guy who, who would like take off his shoes. I'm not going to do it now because I'll clear the room. But um, I would take off my shoes, and I would hide them and, and just stick the toes Like like under the curtain. So my brother, I got two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. They would walk past, and they would probably smell my trainers before they actually saw them. But um, they would just see the toes of my shoes, and they would pull back the curtain and go ha ha, and I wasn't there. Come on. I remember one time, uh, you don't know what this is, uh, many of you, but they used to have these things called tape recorders, and. uh, and we, I had a tape recorder, it was a tape recorder alarm clock, and you could, uh, you could put a tape and you could record your own voice. And I remember recording the sound of my own breath on a tape and hiding it in the, in the laundry cupboard. So when we played hide and seek, I would just go and press play, and you'd walk past the laundry cupboard and you'd just hear. <laughs> which is pretty weird, to be honest, but... Uh, my brothers would be like, oh, I've got you, and I wouldn't be there. I mean, I was just the bomb at hide-and-seek. The goal, the goal, when you're, when you're playing hide-and-seek, the goal is not to be found. However, when you play hide-and-seek as an adult with your kids, I've got three kids, right? Riley is 14, Parker is 11, and Willow turns five at camp on Wednesday. And, uh, and she, we haven't told her it's camp, she just thinks 500 teenagers are coming to her birthday party, so... So if you can just play along with that, guys, that would be great. Um, but when you're playing hide-and-seek with a child, uh, the, the, different, the, the difference is huge because you're not actually hiding to stay hidden. You're hiding to be found. You kind of make it obvious. So I'll be like, okay, Willow, I'm going to go and hide. You count to, like, as high as you can. Five is good. And then, uh, and then come and find me. And so whereas if I was playing, like, when I was younger, I would be, like, doing everything to not be found as a, as a father... My goal is actually to be found. I may be hiding, but I'm not hiding from her. I'm hiding for her. And, uh, and so what I'll do is I'll kind of like, I'll hide behind the curtain, but I'll like have 95% of my body out, you know, just my right arm still hidden. Like, so she, and she, and she will just still walk right by like, <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't even look like a curtain. What do you? Or, you know, I'll lay on the couch and just put one cushion over my face. That's it. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of trying to be hidden. Because for me as a father, the moment when she finds me is so awesome. I mean, I don't know uh, how many in here are parents, but if you are parents, you'll know what I'm talking about. That moment, and it seems to be probably more when they're super young, and then they kind of grow out of it as they're teenagers, but and then you have to kind of force it on them a little bit. But um, my, my daughter, when, when we're playing hide and seek, I'll, and I'll just hide in somewhere really obvious, and she'll walk past, and I'll be like, willow. <clears throat> You know, making it really obvious. But when she pulls back the curtain and she sees me, she's like, Daddy! And she like runs and jumps into me and we'll have a big hug. And it's a real awesome intimate experience between me and my daughter when she discovers that which I have hidden for her. And I came all the way from England to tell you that you were born for discovery, not survival. God loves you so much that he has literally littered your life with treasure from him for you to discover. God doesn't hide things from you because he's mean. He hides them for you because he loves you. That's why we wrap up presents. Did you ever get a gift and you don't know what it is, but you think you might know what it is? And so, like, you're not allowed to open it, maybe until it's your birthday or until it's Christmas, and so you can see it, and you can shake it, and you can smell it, and you can squeeze it, and there's that incredible moment, and it's not just a joyful experience for the receiver of the gift, it's a joyful experience for the giver of the gift, because they know what's inside, they know you're going to love it. If I, I gave my son, Parker, for Christmas, a PlayStation, PlayStation 4, and he'd wanted it for ages, and he'd been asking for it, and he'd been behaving really well, doing his chores, doing all the stuff, and so when it was Christmas, he kind of knew that we might have got him a PlayStation. And the brilliant, brilliant moment when he tore off the paper, I knew what it was. He had an idea what it might be, and it was just so awesome. And that is a picture of 1% of how God feels about you. He has hidden stuff all over your life. Let's read it again. Proverbs 25 verse 2. It's God's privilege It's his joy, in other words. It's what he loves. When something's a privilege, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe I get to do this. And that's what the Bible's saying about God, the creator of the universe. It's his absolute joy to conceal things, and it's our joy. Whether you've experienced that, whether you, uh, it's a regular thing for you or not, it is our joy to discover all that God's got for them. God is all about discovery. They look the same. Survival and discovery, they look the same, but they're actually going in two different directions. When I think about John the Baptist, I don't know what you think, but John the Baptist was like a pure survivalist. I think Bear Grylls. Check this picture out. Oh, look at that. That's Bear Grylls. He goes to our church as well. He's a children's pastor. There he is eating like a raw frog or something. This is just in our church car park. I'm, I'm joking, it's not really. John the Baptist was like a real survivor, you know, lived out in the desert, eating bugs and dressed in sort of like, you know, kind of animal fur and stuff like that. But the Bible says after John the Baptist came Jesus, and Jesus is not about survival, Jesus is all about discovery. The problem is, life happens. You were designed by God with discovery in mind, but life happens. Things don't work out how you expected sometimes. People let you down. Everything changes. Nothing stays the same. Bad things happen to good people. Pain happens. Hurt happens. Stuff happens. And so we easily, through just life, slip into a mode that we were never designed for called survival mode. And we end up saying things like, well, you know, I'm a born survivor. Truth is, you weren't a born survivor. You were born to discover, but you became a survivor. I mean, just think about a child. Think about a baby. If you've you've got younger siblings or you've got kids, you'll know how, how much every day, every moment is a discovery moment for a baby. That everything is a new smell, everything is a new sound. I mean, I've got three kids. I remember the moment my sons discovered they had feet. You ever seen that? A baby's lying there. They're just sort of playing around down there, just seeing what's going on down there. And then all of a sudden they're like, What is this? It's like a hand, but weird. And they start putting the feet in the mouth and they're like, Whoa, this is awesome. I've got two other hands down there that I didn't know I had before. And, you know, like everything's a discovery. And then they discover all sorts of other things in between. And, you know, and then it just gets messy. And,. Every day is a discovery moment for a child. If you go and, I don't know, watch, I don't know if you you call it maybe kindergarten or something like Willow's age, kind of three, four, that kind of age. If you go and watch them in the playground at their school, I mean, every day is a discovery moment. What looks like a cardboard box to me and you is like a full-on spaceship. It's like a cow. It's like a, a, like it could be a house. It could be anything because kids, well, because we Not just kids. We were actually designed with discovery in mind. But as you get older and and life happens, you, you slip into survival mode. And I came all the way from England to tell you that you were born to discover. And you may well have slipped into survival mode. And you may be just getting through. You may be just getting through till the next paycheck. You may be just trying to survive till the kids, you know, get to that age where they can actually, you know... Feed themselves. You know, you may be just trying to survive until you get out of the job that you're in because you just need to do it to make ends meet. You may be slipped into survival mode, and it's not a sin. This is not a conviction thing where I'm trying to say you shouldn't be like that. I'm trying to help you understand because God is teaching me about this same principle that you and I were born to discover. If you're just surviving, you're experiencing so little of what God intended you to enjoy so what's the sound what's the signature what's the fingerprint how do you know when you've slipped into it because it's not something we choose we don't just wake up one day and say oh, I'm sick of discovering I think I'm just going to survive no we don't do that but life happens we kind of find ourselves in discovery uh, in, in survival mode and it really takes it really takes something to snap us out of it something to just you know break us free of it it's like falling asleep you don't know you're asleep when you're asleep You don't lie there going, wow, this is a great sleep. (laughs) Like, this is cracking. I reckon I've had three hours and I've still got four hours to go. This is so good. You only know you've been asleep when something wakes you up. And you're like, that was an awesome sleep. And it's so easy for us. I'm sorry to say, and I'm sure it's not true of, of your church or church in America, but in the church in England, it's so true that people fall asleep to the fact that God is good, God is alive, God is on the throne, God is doing things in people's lives, he's transforming people, he's healing people, he's mending marriages, he's fixing broken hearts, he's helping people not just get through but discover all his... it's so easy to fall asleep and maybe I'm just like an annoying alarm clock today. I just came along to just be like, beep, 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 And maybe maybe even, I mean, I don't want to say this about your pastor because I know that you think he's awesome, but maybe every time he gets up to preach, it's just a beep, 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 and you're like, oh, snooze. Great sermon, pastor, but just snooze for now. I'm going to stay snoozing. Great sermon, pastor Corey at youth, and he gets up and he gives it all the stuff with his long shirts and his ankles showing and <laughs> his tattoos and... You're like, our youth pastor's really cool, but to be honest, when it comes to the things of faith, he's like, beep, 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 and you're like, snooze. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe church is supposed to be a moment where we wake up, where we wake up to the fact that God created you with discovery in mind. Your marriage has not yet experienced all the greatness that it could. Your job Even though you may be just going because you have to, God's got some things for you to discover in your work life. Your relationship with your kids, you're like, I'm done, I'm at the end, I want to take them back, they didn't come with a receipt, I don't know what to do. But God is is, is literally saying to you, there's more for you to discover than what you think. You've been praying, get me out of this marriage, God is saying, get me into that marriage. Just like Jonah, Jonah prayed, Jonah chapter 2 verse 1, I'm sorry, I'm off my notes, but let me just say this, Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says, Jonah prayed from inside the fish. I think it's, uh, I think it's the book of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says, they walked around inside the fire. We want God to get us out, and he's saying, get me in. Anyway, that was free. How are we doing? All right. We're fully, we're fully in flight now. Wheels are up. The entertainment program is about to begin. <laughs> no, I'm joking. This is, I'm sorry, this is it. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. Uh, so, four things. Four. I don't know if we'll have time to do four, but four, four signatures, four signs, how you can tell if you've slipped into survival mode, but you didn't realize. Because you're probably thinking, well, I'm not like that. It's cool. Thank you for coming from England. Your accent's cool and all that, but... Uh, I'm done. I'm out. This, is not, this sermon's not for me. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Check if any of these are true in your life, okay? I'm going to say them in the positive sense. I'm going to say what discoverers are like, not what survivors are like, but they're, they're the opposite of each other. So listen out to see if this is something that might crop up, might pop up in your life. The first point is this, is that discoverers are inspired, not intimidated. By the same set of circumstances, someone in survival mode will be completely intimidated, but a discoverer will be totally inspired. It's so easy for us for insecurity to kind of rise up inside of us, even though, it, you know, for those of us that are Christians, we're people of faith and we have the Holy Spirit helping us live the power of God for every day. But it's so easy for us to become insecure, to get caught in comparison, to get caught in, 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 uh, in, in the whole social media thing. And everybody puts the highlights of their life on social media, but all you can think about is the lowlights of your own life. You know what I'm saying? You know, everyone puts their airbrushed pictures on and you look in the Mirror, and you're just all there in all your glory. Like, oh wow, this is this. We need some airbrushing in here. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so it's easy for us to slip into survival mode, and we end up being intimidated by that which God intended for you to be inspired by. It's in the Bible. Look here, in one Samuel chapter 17 and 18 is the famous story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, David comes down, uh, Goliath, this nine foot giant is like defying God and, and just calling out all these Israelites and no one's doing anything, everyone's scared and David says, who's this idiot, like, what, like who is this guy that you could defy God and there's an incredible story which we haven't got time to talk about but this is what happens after After David has killed Goliath. So this is back, you know, the victory's been had. David's killed Goliath. The Israelites defeat the Philistines. And they're walking back into town. This is like a victory parade. Saul, the king, should have been inspired by David. But this is what the Bible says. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. They were meeting King Saul. They weren't even meeting David. David. But they came out to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, which was probably true. David, his tens of thousands, not true. One. David had killed one. Now he's a big guy. He's a big guy. I don't know if it equated to tens of thousands though. Saul has killed his thousands, true story. David, tens of thousands, mm, not so much. Then the Bible says this, Saul was very angry with this refrain because it displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me, only thousands. And this is where intimidation goes to the nth degree. When you feel intimidated, when you're in survival mode, you start exaggerating. You know what I'm saying? Nothing good ever happens to me. Why is it always me? Truth is, just one thing. But it's like... It's, it's always me, why is life against me, we start exaggerating, and he says, he says, but with, but with me, only thousands, and then he just goes into child mode, I love the kings in the Old Testament, they're basically just big babies, they're literally just like wow, wow, wow all the time, he's like, what more can he get but the kingdom, Saul, come on, chill out, bro. Like, he's just literally killed a guy, and you're saying, oh, well, you might as well take the throne. Here you go, have my crown. You might as well take my robe. I mean, I might as well just go and sit in the bottom of the garden. I mean, they just credited David with 10,000, and here's me with my measly 1,000. I mean, sorry for killing 1,000. I should have done more. You know, he gets into this survival mode. The thing is, what he should have done, if he was in discovery mode, he should have put his arm around David and gone, this is my boy. This is my boy. I mean, he's got no training. He's not even a soldier. He's a shepherd. This guy is not even a soldier, and he just killed a giant. Praise me, because he is awesome. Like, like, I'm so inspired by him. He should have paraded David up and down and said, come on, soldiers, we can learn from this kid. Like, let's be inspired. Let's be excited. Let's be full of faith. And if there's a someone or a something in your life that's intimidating you, I'm not telling you off. I'm not having a go at you, but you may be in survival mode. You met that person that just intimidates you and you trash them when they're not there. It might be that God sent them into your life to inspire you. And instead of trashing them and thinking, there must be something that I can find on them, some dirt on them, why don't you celebrate them? If, someone, if someone's mean to you or someone like, seems to have a bit of an ego around you, instead of like making it your mission to tear them down a peg or two, why don't you make it your mission to give them a peg up or two? Like, society does enough of that trashing. We do not need that in the church. We don't need that in the kingdom. We are here to discover. Don't be intimidated. Be inspired. Oh, wow. I just achieved my exercise goal with that last little rant. That's amazing. 30 minutes of exercise. Praise God. The second signature thing, the second sign is this, is that I see opportunity, not hard work. When you're in survival mode, you don't see opportunity, you just interpret that as hard work. It was Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb that said, most people miss opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. Thomas Edison, I mean there's different figures on the internet and I don't know which one is right, but he basically came up with hundreds of ways how to not invent a light bulb before he invented a light bulb. But instead of going, oh, great, fine, yeah, why don't you just take the throne, David? Instead of doing that, Thomas Edison was like, okay, there's another way not to make a light bulb. Let's try, and, let's try again. It's in the Bible. Look here. It's in Numbers chapter 13. When the children of Israel, they're about to go into the promised land, and it says this, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit, the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. So they're basically about to go into a God-given opportunity. And here's the report, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, we even saw giants there, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, all the enemies, all the bad dudes, they're all there along the river. Verse 30, it says this, then Caleb silenced the people. Caleb, the discoverer, silenced the people and said, we should go up and take it because we can definitely do it. But verse 31, it says, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those that are living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw giants. We saw, like... Incredible people. We seemed like little grasshoppers when we looked at them. It's so easy when we're in survival mode. When God presents us with an opportunity, as all we see is hard work. I see it all the time in church. And uh, you know, for example, I know this church has got a great vision. It's got increase on the mind, it's got increase on the heart, there's a community out there that don't know Jesus, and that this church exists not just for us, but for those, and so I, I, I don't know, but I've sort of resonated with, with your pastors, and I reckon every now and again they'll come along and they'll say, okay guys, time for a new initiative, the back to school thing that we're going to hear about at the end of the service, there's always going to be things coming up, and you know what, to a survivor, we'll be like, <laughs> do you know how busy I am? We're going to take a second offering for the, you know, the whatever mission. And we'll be like, <laughs> do you know how much I give? Do you know how much I earn? That's what survival mode sounds like. And we'll be like, I can barely get through. You know, I'm, so, I, I, I'm like, I'm giving all the time that I have to do what we're currently doing. So don't come around talking about increase or more or vision you know, God is all about increase. God is about more. He's not finished. He's not complete. He's not done all that he wants to do in your life. He wants to do more. He wants you to be more. But it's so easy in survival mode to go, I'm barely getting through with what I've got. I'm overdrawn emotionally. I'm overdrawn spiritually. I'm overdrawn financially. And so when you talk about increase, I'm like, I'm with you and I'm smiling on the outside, but my heart is sinking on the inside. If that's the case, I'm not telling you off. I'm not having a go at you. I'm saying, hey, guess what? You don't have to be that way because you were born to discover, not survive. And when someone speaks about increase, what's supposed to happen is the discoverer in you is supposed to wake up and go, what do you mean, more? more? We're going to do more? This is awesome. We're going to do, do how many backpacks to, back to school? How many, like, how, how many nights can I serve? Not what do I got to do, but what do I get to do is the heart of a discoverer. <laughs> the third thing is this, I'll choose character not compromise, character, not compromise. I've got two different illustrations for this. We're coming into land, so maybe I won't do them both, but there's an incredible story in 2 Kings chapter 6 in the Old Testament. There was a great famine in a city. It was a siege, but basically a siege is a military tactic where they camp outside the city. It's not aggressive, it's a passive tactic, and they camp outside the city. No one goes out, no one comes in. They cut off the water. I'm sorry, I forgot to breathe. (laughs) I'm trying to say... Too much in the time that I have. <sighs> they camp around the city. Nobody goes out. Nobody goes in. They cut off the food supplies, cut off the water supplies, and the, the city basically turns in on itself. That which you, they used to think was, like, disgusting or unacceptable, because of the pressure, they start, um, they start uh, what's the word, like... Um, They start making excuses. They start saying, maybe it's not that bad. Let me give you an example, because this is what it says. I think it's in 2 Kings, did I say? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 25. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. There's a little note in my Bible at the bottom of the page. It says, dove dung. A donkey's head and bird poo are now on sale as like the meal. Now, if you'd gone up to those people six months before the siege and said, do you want to come, come to mine? Do you want to come to mine for a meal? We're going to have a meal at mine. We're going to have a barbecue. It's going to be awesome. They'll be like, yeah, what are you serving? And they'll be like, donkey's head, bro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cook up a tasty donkey's head and you know what? For dessert, I've got a beautiful bowl of bird poo. <laughs> people be like, what are you talking about? What do you mean donkey's head? Because it is inconceivable to think that you would do that. But there's something about being under pressure that changes what you previously thought was unacceptable and seems to start making sense. Survival mode starts explaining away, talking away, the things that you swore you'd never do, the things that you say you'd never say, the, things that you, uh, the places you said you'd never go, you know, the stuff you say in church, yeah, in a high faith environment, you know, I'm going to live for God, I'm not going to go to that party, I'm not going to do that thing, I'm not going to go and, I'm not going to do that with my taxes, I'm not going to do any of that because I'm a person of faith, but something happens when you're under pressure, something happens when things don't go your way, and all of a sudden you start saying, well, it's not my fault, I mean, you know, this is all I've got, I mean, I've got to eat something, so I may as well eat this, I mean, I, might, I mean, I wouldn't normally, but, you know, this, I mean, maybe it's not too bad, you know, maybe if you hold your nose while you drink, you know, maybe, you not. Know, like, it might get stuck in your teeth, but. Like, maybe it's okay because, you know, like we're under pressure. It's not my fault. And before you know it, you're starting to give excuses for the things that you would never previously do. You would never be unfaithful. You would never be like crude or you would never say that or do that or go there. But survival mode, before you know it, you're starting to explain the things that you would never do. Now you're doing them. I mean, Peter did it. Peter. He said to Jesus, I will never deny you. Like, are you joking? You, you, you think I'm going to deny, like, I will never turn my back on you. It's literally chapters later when Peter's going, I've never heard of Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that he's by a fire on his own, and he's literally swearing, he's using foul language to a child. He's gone from, I will never deny you, Jesus, now he's like swearing at children. I mean, this is ridiculous. He's gone from one extreme to the other because he slipped. Because what happened between those two accounts is that Jesus got arrested, Jesus got crucified, everyone scatters, he's on his own, he doesn't know what to do, he's under pressure. And that which he said, I will never deny you, Jesus, I will never turn my back on you. Now he's like, well, it's not my fault. Who do you think you are? talking to a child, this is what happens. And I wonder if you're experiencing, you're saying things, you're doing things, you've slipped into that mode and you're... You know, your heart for God is still there, it's still, it's still strong, but in worship, you've got that little thought at the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I'm doing that, I'm saying that, I'm going there, and I, I swore I'd never do that, but, and you get that internal dialogue, that wrestle, every time you come in God's presence, well, I'm here to tell you today that you were born to discover, you were born to discover, I wonder if the team can come up and help me, because we're coming into land now, the, the wheels are down, You could put your seatbelts on, please, and put your tray tables up. It's a joke. (laughs) You guys are, like, looking around for tray tables, like, what is this? Pastor's installed some tray tables since last week. That's awesome. I haven't got time to do my fourth point, but I just want to move on to this for this last minute, and then we're going to pray, because I really want to pray for you. Because if you're in survival mode, if your marriage is in survival mode, you know what? God's got more for you to discover, if your job, if in your, like in your career path, you're like, I just gotta get through this job so that I can get a different job. Like, I don't deny that God has got something better for you, but that does not mean that this is not right now where God can use you. God can, You can discover great things. You can be a person of influence. You can be a person of faith in the situation you're in right now. If you're having a tough time at school and you're just like, get me out of here, God will get you out of here. But before he does, he wants you to get him in. So what do you do? Well, The difference between Peter in those two, uh, that illustration that I just did, can really help us. So here's the difference between Peter in he goes from denying, he goes from saying, I'll never deny Jesus, to denying Jesus, to in Acts, the early part of Acts, the Bible says Peter preached and 3,000 people decided that they were going to change the way they live and follow Jesus. He's gone from here to here, now he's here. And there's something significant that happened between those accounts, between him swearing at children, saying, I've never heard of Jesus. Who do you think you are? Peep and a peep and a beep, beep, you know, just, just fully just bad language, the whole thing. It's like uncomfortable for everyone. Everyone's like, oh, Peter, what are you doing? And then in, in the beginning of Acts, the Bible says Peter is a man of influence. He's a man of authority. He's a man like he's like born again. He's just like transformed from the guy that was swearing at children. Well, here's a few things that happened to him, that, and this is how we get out of it. How do we get out of survival mode? Well, we need the Holy Spirit. The Bible says between Peter denying Christ and Peter preaching in 3,000 people saying I want to live God's way is the Holy Spirit came. And pastor can't do this for you. This is not something that you can wait in a line for. I mean, you can wait in a line to be prayed for, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the power of God for every day. So every day we get access to God's presence. We're not always going to have, you know, I wish I could take Aaron home with me so that, you know, when my kids are playing, playing up and I'm just struggling, i would be just like, come on, bro. Oh, yeah, come on. in the Holy Ghost <laughs> while the kids are misbehaving. Like, I wish we could take him to work with us. I wish we could take him home with us. But the reality is we've got God with us. The presence of God goes where we go. We're carriers of the presence of God. And so we need the Holy Spirit. That's how we get out of it. We commit to every day encountering God. Read Read the book, pray. I mean, I wish there was something revolutionary that I came here to tell you, and you're like, wow, never heard that. But actually, this is it. It's encountering God on a daily basis. That's how you get out of survival mode. Because we're made in His image, and the more time we spend with Him, the more we become like Him. And He is a discoverer. Jesus is a discoverer and a creator, and that's how we can be. As well as the Holy Spirit, I think we need some holy friends some holy friends. What's significant about that passage in Acts? It says like the Holy Spirit came, Peter tongues of fire, the whole thing. But also it says, it says Peter stood alone by the fire and denied Christ. But when he preached, it says these words, Peter stood with the 11. <laughs> ha, come on. The difference was the Holy Spirit and some holy pals, some holy chums, some holy friends. And if you want to live for God and discover all that God's got for you, you are going to need your mates, as we would say in the UK. You're going to need your friends. And this is an amazing church. I mean, look around the room, the, you know, the generational kind of diversity, the, the whole thing. I mean, there's nothing like, like, what am I doing here? I'm from Manchester in England, and I'm in America, like, speaking to you. Like, only the church does that. The fact that we get to be in the same room as our grandparents is just ridiculous. There's no no bar, there's no pub, there's no club, there's no gym. There's no organization in the world that does what the church does. We get to stand with the 11 at our back. We get to stand with the 11 at our back. You need the Holy Spirit, you need holy friends. You know what you need to do, you need to help someone else. When you're in survival mode, surviving is the vision. So you don't really see other people's needs because you're like, I don't have the space. I've just got to get through what I'm going through. You know what, one way of snapping out of survival mode is just forgetting your problems, not not denying that they exist. Faith is not denying stuff goes on. It's it's basically not being defined by it. And a way to get out of it is just go and see if you can help someone else. I haven't got time to tell you the full story because I'm gonna pray in just a few seconds. But I have a neighbor He's in his 70s. When we first moved into our house, he was rude. Like, he was just so mean. Like, my kids are awesome, and they are hard to resist. But, like, he was rude to them. He would, like... He would shout at them like his house is an absolute tip. It's a total mess. The garden's awful. We're trying to be good neighbors, you know, good pastors, good Christians, you know, trying to go around and like, hey, we've just moved in. And he was just rude and cold and just, you know, I remember one time I said, oh, would you like me to, you know, to, to mow your lawn, to cut the grass? And he was like, no. He's, like, he's got this like crazy hair and like wonky teeth and just like, he's this crazy old guy. And so he said no. And so I waited till he went out and cut it anyway. And uh, he came home, halfway through me, cutting the grass. He literally chased me down the street. <laughs> and, like, and we just tried. And I remember a time in my life when I was, I was just totally locked in survival mode. We were going through some stuff personally. We were under the kosh. We were under pressure. Sorry, that under the cosh means under pressure. Sorry. Um, we, were, we were really going through it. And I remember Zoe, uh, my wife's called Zoe. She came home from a conference. She said, we need to find out when it's David's birthday. That's my neighbor, David. And I was like, Okay. She said. She looked at me like wives do. She was like, and I'm like, why do we need to find out? Like, this is what I was thinking. Why do we find out when David's birthday is? Like, I got my own stuff going on. So caught up with my own issues, my own survival. I I was like, what are we doing? He's rude. He chased me down the street with his teeth and his hair. And she said, no, we need to find out. I said, well, it's not going to be today, is it? So I did what all parents do in socially awkward situations: take a child with you. I mean, my kids are here for three weeks. If you want to borrow one, you can do. You need to get a loan from the bank. Just take my daughter. She'll, she'll, she'll guarantee you a loan, I'm telling you. So I took my son. His name's Riley. Back then, he was pretty young, and it was actually nearly his birthday. You know when you're a kid and your birthday lasts for like six months, the whole buildup and everything? So we knocked on David's door, and he came, and he was like... Uh, and so I, like, give Riley a, a little knee. I was like... Say something. So Riley's like, oh, hi, David. Um, It's nearly my birthday. And going on about birthdays. And I'm going to get this. I mean, Riley, he just looked to stay. She had like a vest on and like one sock. You know what I mean? Just chocolate. all over, was just like a total mess. And so Riley says, hey, David, when's it your birthday? He said, it's today, actually. I could literally see the smug face of my wife just like hovering around like here. Like, ah. I said, oh, wow, happy birthday. Have you, like, what have you done? He said, nothing. I said, what about your family? He said, I don't have any. Friends? Nah. His mum was sick. She was in hospital. Every day he went to see her in hospital. She was losing her mind. She never recognized him. Every day he would go and she would, she would be aggressive with him and mean to him and all the rest of it. And in that moment, I realized, what am I doing? I'm so obsessed with my own stuff that I've not even got space for my neighbor I mean, this is not like the metaphoric neighbor of the good Samaritan, anyone who's different to you. This is the actual guy that lives actually next door to you. There's no reading between the lines here. It's the guy. And so I was like, we're gonna come back in an hour. We went home, kids made some cards. We went to the shop. I mean, this was inexpensive, but like we bought a giant sized bar of chocolate. We wrapped it up. We went round, we knocked on the door and we said, David, happy birthday. He started to cry. But he didn't open it, and Riley's like, I'm like, this is like a nice moment. Aaron could have been there. It was like that, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm nearly done, Pastor. Um, and he didn't open it, and I was like, come on, Riley, this is, this is a real Disney moment, let's go. And Riley's like, open it, open it, open it. He said, no, I'm not going to open it. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to open it with my mom. Because she doesn't know who I am, but she, maybe this will jog her memory. I'm her son, this is my birthday. And I'm like, just folding up into nothing on the inside. I walk back through the front door of our house. My wife is washing up at the sink with her back to the front door. I could literally tell she was going. But from the back, though, she's like, I said, You're right, babe. You want to get out of survival mode? Help somebody else i got other things to say about the clock. We've just, the plane was supposed to land three minutes ago. We've just done a little circle. We're just waiting for the other planes to come in, Pastor. Then we, we want to do this safe. Come on, will you pray with me? Will you close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray for you if you, if you if you know that you're in survival mode in some way. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your work life. Maybe it's in your finances. Corey's already spoke to us earlier on about how God's got a word for us today in all those areas. Maybe it's something I haven't really touched on, but you know you're in survival mode. Well, I'm here to tell you that you were born to discover. And all you need is to encounter God on a daily basis, which is free of charge, just takes time, that's all. You need some good friends around you. I don't know if the services are recorded, but if you get a chance to listen to my message from the first service, you should do that because I speak about the power of relationships in that message. And I would make it your mission if I were you to help somebody this week. Do you want me to pray for you? You stand to your feet. You're in survival mode and you say, yep, yeah, I need to get out. Just stand to your feet right now. I'm going to pray. Pastor's just going to come up now, but when I, pray, when I, when I say amen. The whole church, we're going to stand and join these people that are standing. We're going to give God a shout of praise because this is a significant moment. So with every room, every person in the room with their eyes closed, let's, let's pray. If you stood, why don't you raise your hands and just be ready to receive from God. Father, I thank you for these amazing people. I thank you that you created them with discovery in mind. You didn't, you didn't make them and then abandon them to, to make it up as they go along, but you've been with them every step of the way. And God, I pray for every marriage, every school that's represented, every home, every community. God, will you just cause us to be out of survival mode and ready to discover all that you have got for us. We pray that you would, we would encounter you on a daily basis. We pray that you'd give us the courage the creativity and the authenticity to build meaningful relationships that can help us with this. And we pray that God, you give us the opportunity this week to just take our eyes off what we're doing and go and help somebody else. Thank you, Jesus, that we were born to discover. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you?